Hello and welcome to another edition of the From the Booth podcast. I'm Evan Eichen. He's Cody Clark. Cody, Selection Sunday is this Sunday, and for the first time in a while, the field feels really wide open because this has been really a strange college basketball season. It, it does feel wide open because it has been a strange season. And the the wild thing is we could still see more of what happened in the Ivy League where they canceled their tournament and they're sending Yale to the tournament because of the coronavirus. So one, you have the craziness of it really does feel like pretty much anyone could have a shot to win the title in Division One college basketball this year. And two, you might have some of these teams not even get a chance to punch an automatic ticket this week we'll have to see how some of that plans out so it's uh it's been it's been pretty interesting to watch well let's start with that the ivy league has outright canceled their basketball tournament for men and women's because of concerns over the coronavirus uh washington state is this has already had at least two dozen deaths of the coronavirus uh, the city of Seattle has announced that there is going to be a ban on gatherings of more than 250 people. And the NCAA tournament games round one are going to be scheduled to be playing are scheduled to be played in in Washington State. There's an XFL game on Sunday. The Big West and the MAC have already announced that their NCAA that their Conference tournament games will be played, but they are not open to the public. They're going to be playing in empty arenas. The NBA is preparing to play regular season games in arenas with no fans or possibly moving the games to different cities. Uh, like There are a lot of logistic, logistic things that are, yeah, that are sort of up in the air. The 2020 Olympics in Tokyo, Japan... We don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, Cody, you recently just got done doing uh, large-scale events for Delta State. Were there concerns of the coronavirus down in Mississippi, or did, was, did that just not get talked about? A statement has been released on or anything like that, but one of the... Schools in our conference, which is in Memphis, Tennessee, has issued a statement and they're looking at doing some things. So, no, it hasn't it hasn't gotten to us yet, so to speak. But at the same time, I mean, it seems like everywhere else people are people are are preparing and I'm seeing I'm seeing photos of empty Walmart shelves and all sorts of things. So it's going to be it's going to be crazy to see. You know, you heard LeBron come out and say that he was not going to play in front of no fans. Uh, I think he walked that back a little bit here in recent days, recognizing the the public health concern. But still, I mean, I don't blame him. If I was the player, you know, I wouldn't want to be playing a game. Uh, you know, I wouldn't want to be playing an NBA game in front of no fans, like a college basketball tournament without any fans. I mean, you just have people that are people working the table and some radio crews and then just the players playing a game. I don't know. It just... It, it it seems it seems weird. I mean, I know you you want to make sure that you know the the safety of everybody comes first, but that just seems like an environment that I would not want to be a part of if I was a player just playing in front of you know or playing in a 
uh, a 30,000 seat arena with nobody in those seats. Well, there was a Orioles White Sox game a few years ago that was played in front of no spectators. I don't really remember the circumstances as to why that happened. I just remember that there was an Orioles White Sox game from about f- four or five years ago that didn't have any fans. Well, and you, I mean, you look, you look at it now, and that could become something that's normal here over the next handful of weeks because, as, as we talked about at the top, already had the Ivy League cancel the tournament. You could see others follow there depending on where they are across the country. You know, NBA is, you know, you've had players come out, CJ McCollum, you know, people aren't, aren't signing autographs and, and interacting with fans at this point. Uh, they're looking at limiting uh, locker room access for media and anybody else. It's just it's it's taking a turn, and so we'll see what happens. But you know, I think I I think with the Ivy League canceling the entirety of its tournament, I think that's going to cause a lot of different things to fall. And I mean, at this point, the way it's trending, I don't see I don't see how they they I don't see how we play the Olympic Games. Uh, in Tokyo in 2020, if, you know, as widespread as it is in terms of all the different countries that it's reached and just how it's been reacted to everywhere, I, I can't imagine that, that that will still be on, but I guess time will tell us. Well, there there has been testing that have has been going on through the United States, but testing at this point is sort of limited and we don't really know how much longer this is going to affect how, how much longer this is going to affect everything. Uh, could we potentially get to the point where by August or September, where we're holding NFL preseason or regular season games, where they don't let anybody in the stands? Uh, if you were to put a guess on it, is this something that's going to last the entire year of 2020 or do you think at some point we're gonna get it under control and sort of figure everything out by let's say maybe august or september oh man i have no idea i would lean towards getting it figured out i think we've got you know some of the best people working to try and figure it out in terms of vaccines and different things so that's good so i would i would say i would say i don't think it's going to be something that lasts the entire year but uh, if I had to guess, that's what I would say. You know, we got the best people on, it and uh, I think we'll I think we'll figure it out here uh, here soon. Well, hopefully they hopefully they do figure it out soon. Uh, it's a it's a pretty serious situation, especially when it comes to Washington State, where we've already had two dozen confirmed deaths in just Washington State alone. So it is a. Uh, really serious situation and one that is going to be monitored very, very closely. Uh, Let's look at the NCAA tournament from what we've got going on right now. When, when we finished up the regular season, Kansas ended the season as the unanimous number one. San Diego state was the last undefeated team before finally losing a game. They ended up losing their conference championship game to Utah State. So going into conference tournament week and and selection Sunday, who do you feel the best about going in and who do you feel who do you feel the best about going in in terms of a title picture? And who were you kind of concerned about 
like when you look at the top of the top of the field? Well, I'll say this: I do, I, I, I do really like Kansas. I really like what Gonzaga is doing. I'm a big fan of the way Florida State has played, uh, the way the way they get after you defensively, uh, and the the rotation of guys that they can throw out there that Leonard Hamilton can throw out there. I think that's a team that's very dangerous. I'm very curious to see uh, San Diego State. I, I'm. I'm not as sold on them. I think they're I think they're a very, very good basketball team. And we talked about it earlier, you know, the way that the field just seems to be wide open. Maybe uh, this is uh, a chance for San Diego State to make a run. I personally am not completely sold on them, so I'm very curious to see how they play in the tournament. But I think some of your usual suspects are going to rise to the top. I really like the way Gonzaga is playing and the way that they've played. Uh, I, I like the way Kansas is trending. Uh, those are a couple teams that I like. Florida State, as I mentioned as well. I just, I don't know. Uh, San Diego State, the, the schedule hasn't really been there, uh, but it's wide open. So maybe they'll, uh, maybe they'll surprise us and make a run. But I, I think along the way, you have to have had some of those games uh, where you're you're really tested and you're really pushed and you've played against teams that are better than you. And I don't know if San Diego state has had those. Does this feel like this is finally Gonzaga's year? Cause Mark few and that team, it's like, they just get closer and closer and closer, but they haven't been able to break through. Does this feel like this is like, like in the NFL, how it was finally Andy Reid's turn. Is it finally Mark few's turn? It very well could be. I really like. I really like the way they're going. I think number two team in the country and and one of the, you know the final regular season poll. But this could be it. But again, you know, you know somebody could you know you get Dayton can can get hot. You know Florida State. You know if they're able to to grab a one seed or they're on that two line, you know they could get hot and make a run the way they play defense. Kansas. You know you look at a, a Duke or a Kentucky. You know one of those teams with some of the individual talent they have. You just don't know. This could be Mark Few's year. I really like the team that he has, but the way this season has played out, I wouldn't feel comfortable picking them just because it'd probably be somebody else that comes out of nowhere and gets hot and wins the title. If the if the tournament were to start today, the four number one seeds would be Kansas, Gonzaga, Baylor, and Dayton. You agree with those four number ones? Uh, yes, yes. I think those would. I think those would probably be your four number ones. Uh, depending, if it started today, yes, you're right. Yeah, you know, Dayton has been has been the surprise of of the season. I don't think anybody thought that Dayton coming into the year was going to be one of the top teams in the country, and they have a uh, Toppin who is has a chance to become this year's John Morant, you know, a guy that comes out of nowhere and then he's a high lottery pick. You know, I, I can't remember the last time the field felt this open where anything can happen. I'll tell you what, a team that a team that I like a lot that's kind of halfway down in terms of the, the, the polls and the rankings is Oregon. Uh, and Peyton Pritchard uh, leading that team. 
I think they could, they are going to give people problems, uh, and, and that's a team that I could see making a run just because they have some of that veteran leadership. They've been there before, and they have you know they have a lot of shooting, they have a lot of athleticism, and when you have a, a senior point guard like Peyton Pritchard, a guy that can you know he's been there, he's done it, he's done it, a guy that can get you there, he he can score at all three levels. Uh, I, I like a team like Oregon, somebody down there. I think that's a team that could could make some noise. And people aren't necessarily look necessarily looking at right now and saying, "Oh, they're you know they're a favorite here in March." But you look down the line, you look at the way they play, and you go, "Yeah, I I, I think I can see them making a run." So I think Oregon's a team that I'm watching just bec- just as you know as a fan of Pritchard, the guard play that they have. I think that could take you a long way in March in the tournament. Selection Sunday is this Sunday, and then we'll learn who's in. Who's out? Uh, I know that uh, the Iowa is projected to be is projected to be in. You Northern Iowa is in on the bubble. Like it's gonna be it's gonna be an eventful la- next few days. Uh, I'm excited to watch the, the the Big Ten tournament because you know Cody, you spent four years here with this. With, this is pretty deep Big Big Ten country, and we're gonna see who who is and is not going to get in from the Big Ten. Oh yeah, no, that's a that's always a really really fun tournament. Uh, I really like that Iowa team. I'm a big fan of Garza and the way that he has played. Played uh, the big man that they've got. I love watching uh, the way the Hawkeyes play. But you're right. I mean that is that is an environment unlike any other uh, in terms of you know the Iowas, the Iowa States, you know Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin is is another team that you know you could see making a run. So that is always always a fun tournament and there are quite a few teams in the mix again to to try and get into the the tournament and make some noise so that will be a fun one to watch it always is and i don't think this year uh, is going to disappoint between all of those teams you know ohio state michigan state it's going to be a a pretty loaded field in the big 10 again do you feel disappointed with how michigan state season turned out they started the year as the number one team in the country and then there was a time in in the year where nobody wanted to be number number one number one because the number ones were dropping like flies. Do you feel that Michigan State had a disappointing season? Uh, I mean, it's disappointing when you look at our expectations. But I think you know they've played well late in the year. I, 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 if I'm not mistaken, they beat uh, beat Ohio State. They beat Iowa. They have another ranked win here in the last four. I think they've won their last four games. So I think they're peaking at the right time. Yes, it's a disappointment from the way that we ranked them at the onset of the season, and it's a disappointment from you know oh you know we they have you know they have nine losses. That's you know we look at that as being an astronomical amount when it comes to uh, the NCAA tournament. And if you're trying to, you know, get on one of those top, uh, top seed lines, you know, as maybe a one, two or a three, but that with Cassius Winston, they're a team that's very, very dangerous. And I think they're playing well right now. They've been tested down the stretch in the big 10, which I think helps them going in. They'll have the tournament as well. So yes, it's a disappointment if you look and say, where we had them, where we thought they might be ranked coming into this year's tournament, and down, I, I think, 22-9. and nine. So you'd probably say a disappointment there, but I don't view it that way because, I mean, yes, it's been a little bit of a rockier road for them, 
but they've been tested down the stretch. They've passed a lot of those tests, and they're going to be riding uh, a lot of momentum heading into the NCAA tournament. So that's a team that you got to watch out for as well. And I, I don't know if enough people are talking about as a team that could uh, could win it all the way they're playing right now. Another team that could win it all, but by the way that they're playing right now, the Kentucky Wildcats. I know it's kind of a cheap thing to just talk about. Well, well, you know Kentucky because you know John Calipari and how how that team goes. They are projected at the number two line. Kentucky, uh, they're they're the number one team in the SEC right now. They're ranked number eight in the country. Uh, you know, you know they've got young talented players like Ashton Higgins, Emmanuel Quickly. Uh, thoughts on this Kentucky team right now? Yeah, quickly, Maxi, uh, Higgins, as you mentioned. Uh, this is another team that, you know, it's like, uh, and you talked about it, you know, you're looking at it and like, oh, you know, we're talking about the Blue Bloods of Kentucky. But Calipari, I, I think record, I think they're 25 and 6, as you mentioned, number one team in the SEC. Uh, they're going to have to get through some tough teams in the tournament. But I, I do like some of the talent that they have. You know, you get into this NCAA tournament field, and you're really just trying to get in because you you want to get on you want to get the best seed that you can, but you also want to be playing good basketball. And it always always seems like you've got some of these teams too, where somebody one of these young guys. You, you I think you referenced it earlier. You said Ja Morant in terms of topping uh, with the Dayton Flyers. You know I could see one of these young Kentucky kids, Hagens or Maxi or Emmanuel Quickly. You know one of those guys. You know, you, you put together a couple of games, you string together a couple of weekends where some one of these guys gets hot and all of a sudden, you know, you're a team that's on the two line, but you're you're maybe kind of kind of under the radar. Uh, and then, you know, you reel off a you reel off some wins and you find yourself in the Elite Eight or you find yourself in the final four if you're able to run a few weekends. And Kentucky has that type of talent. Uh, they have the SEC tournament standing in their way. And then Selection Sunday, as you mentioned, now projected to be on the two line. I really like the young talent that Kentucky has. Uh, you know, we've seen Kentucky, you know, they've struggled to get over the hump. We, the, the players that Calipari has had, and he makes no bones about it in terms of the success and the money that they've earned in the NBA is ridiculous. And the talent is always there. But they are not always finding themselves, uh, you know, as one of the last teams standing. Can they do it this year? I'll be interested to see because I think there's another couple of NBA guys on that team. But we've seen that for the past in Kentucky, and that does and that hasn't necessarily translated to uh, national championships. Speaking of national championships, the defending national champion Virginia Cavaliers, if the season were to end right now. They are projected on the number six line. So, no love for the defending national champion, Virginia Cavaliers. They're in the tournament, so they have a chance to defend their title. It seems like Bennett's team going back-to-back is fairly unlikely. It does seem unlikely uh, with where they're at right now. And, and, you know, coming... If you go into the tournament on that sixth line, you know, it can be tough. But, you know, they have guys like Kihei Clark. And, you know, 
the thing I like about Virginia is they play their style of basketball. They don't get away from it, and they, they're they pretty much always playing close games. Virginia, they're always in every game, every game, and there's always a chance to win that game, which I think is valuable when you come to a tournament setting. You know, Virginia's not going to blow you out. They never really have, but they are a team that, you know, they're going to play a game in the 50s and 60s, and they're going to have a chance to win almost every single one of those with the way they play defensively and the way that they control the pace of the game. And so Tony Bennett's team, you know, you're going to have a chance to win those games. So you're looking at it and let's say Virginia is like a five, a six or a seven seed. That's not somebody you want to play because you know, they're going to defend, you know, they're going to control the ball and you know, they're probably going to play a game paced in the, the high 50s, low 60s, mid 60s. It's going to be a close game as well. And they give themselves a chance to win every single game with uh by playing a lot of that so i'm very i'm 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 excited to watch them because i think they're just a fun uh, a fun team to watch because they they have their brand basketball they don't stray from it you can't really speed them up they do their thing and it's resulted in a ton of success including a title last year i don't know if i would pick them to win it this year uh the way that everything is shaken out, but at the same time, another one of those teams where you look and go, I would not be surprised if you know you look up and they're in the Elite Eight just because they have that experience and they have those they have that defense to be able to hold you down and play close games. Well, like you mentioned, they they play a style of basketball that for a lot of people isn't really aesthetically pleasing to them because Virginia they aren't going to shoot a bunch of threes. They're not a big flashy team. They're going to win games. It, they're going to be tough grinding like 57-52 physical games. That's a style of basketball that for a lot of people isn't really aesthetically pleasing. And I, and I get it if Virginia isn't your kind of thing. But you have to appreciate the job that Bennett has done down there in Charlottesville with winning a national championship. And he's winning it with players that lasted a long time in college basketball. Like I was convinced that Ty Jerome had been there for like 20 years because that, <laughs> that guy was just always at Virginia. You know, like he's doing it with, he's doing it with guys that are, he's doing it with guys that have been there for three, four years. Virginia doesn't really get the, the 18 year old who comes in like a comet and then he goes to the NBA. He has smart veteran players and, I mean, I get it if it's not your thing, but you have you have to appreciate the job Bennett's done down there. Oh, absolutely. The nation's best scoring defense. You talking about the games in the 50s. Virginia's only getting up 52, just over 52 points a game. Opponents are only shooting, I think it's like 36% against them uh, from the field. I think, believe that's also the best number in NCAA. I will say this. We were talking earlier about San Diego State. The one thing that I do like about them is that they defend. They're also, I believe, a top five uh, scoring defense in the country, giving up like 54 or 55 points, maybe just a shade under 56. So as we, you, you look at teams that are going to make it into the field, I always like those teams like Virginia, like San Diego State, that the numbers bear out this year that can defend because that's going to give you a chance to be in games. That gives you a chance to disrupt the rhythm of the other team. If you're like a Virginia, you know, 
you're comfortable playing those types of games. A lot of teams aren't comfortable playing a game in the 50s you know, when they score 75, 77 points a game. So I, I do think they have that working in their favor for sure. Well, Virginia has a chance to defend their crown. Selection Sunday is this Sunday, so we'll find out who is playing where and who they play and we'll, we'll we'll dive into we'll dive into that once the bracket comes out and everything becomes official. Uh, meanwhile, in the NBA, the Brooklyn Nets have had a pretty eventful last 72 hours. They announced that they are parting ways with their head coach Kenny Atkinson. And then not only that, they traveled cross country to the Los Angeles Lakers and won their first game in the post-Atkinson era, 104-102 over the LA Lakers after Anthony Davis couldn't quite put the shot in at the buzzer to to put the game away, or either that or it was to go to overtime. What's next for the Brooklyn Nets? Because they had all this fanfare of they've got Kyrie Irving, they've got Kevin Durant, things are you know things are looking up in Brooklyn and. Now Kenny Atkinson got let go, and they're going to have to look for a new coach in 2020-2021. Yeah, I don't know, man. I really, being able to spend a year in Orlando, we got to see Brooklyn three times, uh, twice at the Amway, Amway Center in Orlando. I was a big fan of what he was doing with that team. I guess Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant uh, maybe had a hand in this because, you know, I've read some things where, they didn't necessarily want Atkinson to be the coach, but I mean, from a basketball standpoint, I have a great respect for what Kenny Atkinson was doing with that Brooklyn team. You know, they're going in a different direction though, with the star power of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And I guess Atkinson is not the guy they want leading that charge. Uh, I, for one, don't know why that is, but that's, you know, that's why they're making the decisions and not me, but you know, do they go after a guy like, you know, do they go after a guy like Ty Lue? Are they able to lure him off the, off the, off the staff? You know, those are some of the names that are going to be circulating because you have the star power of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. I, for one, was a big Kenny Atkinson fan, so I did not like the move getting rid of a guy like that. We'll see who they bring in and whether that's, you know, considered a, you know, quote unquote upgrade or whatnot. But I, I couldn't figure that out because Atkinson did a lot of good things for the Nets, particularly getting guys to perform well and way above their, their you know, way above their expectations when they didn't have those stars. So now you get, you know, now you give a coach like that a chance to introduce that kind of talent level to the Karis Leverts and Spencer Dinwiddies of that team. I mean, that's. I, I can't see why you'd want to move on there, but, you know, in the NBA, you know, the, the Kyrie Irvings of the world, the Kevin Durants of the world, you know, a lot of times, you know, those guys are, are able to influence who, who they want leading the way. And so I guess that guy wasn't Atkinson. I mean, he's a great coach, so I can see somebody snapping him up, uh, snapping him up in a hurry elsewhere around the league, but we'll see what the next move is for the Nets. I don't know what that is. You know, they're waiting. They've been waiting this year, uh, biding their time for Kevin Durant to get back healthy uh, and add him to Kyrie Irving in the mix. And Irving has had a lot of different uh, shoulder issues and different injuries this year. But we'll see what their next move is because I thought they got rid of a very good coach. I don't expect Kenny Atkinson to be unemployed for very long. 
Uh, he, he's going to get picked up relatively soon. Teams, oh, I would think so. Teams are going to be looking for a head coach. He's going to be one of, if not the top name on the market, outside of maybe David Fisdale. Yeah, I think so because, you know, because I think teams are going to look at it and go, hey, look what he did in Brooklyn and look how he got some of these guys to progress and excel and they didn't, you know, they didn't have the star. It was a team effort. And so I think there's plenty of guys or, or, or plenty of teams, I should say, in the league that look are, are looking around going, hey, we could use a guy like that. You know, we have maybe we don't have a, a star, but we have a bunch of solid players. Atkinson may be able to be the guy that can get us over the top uh, like he was able to, to push Brooklyn uh, to to some new heights for that franchise, so I I definitely agree. I don't believe he's going to be on the. Uh, I don't believe he'll be unemployed for very long, for sure. Maybe, you know, maybe there's a a job that's going to open up, and you know, we don't really ex- maybe that one that we don't expect. Uh, we know the New York Knicks are going to be looking for a head coach. If Philadelphia. Philadelphia for Brett Brown to save his job, it feels like a finals or else sort of deal. Uh, maybe there, maybe things blow up in Houston and they decide to move on from the Daytona Mori regime. Assuming that he stays, assuming that he doesn't immediately take a job at the beginning of the season, he's going to have his pick of whatever jobs available to him. Oh yeah, no. No doubt about it. I mean, he's going to have he's going to have that chance. So it'll come down to what he thinks is a good fit because I think uh, plenty of teams will come knocking on his door. Uh, they will come knocking on his door, especially when he turned around a Brooklyn team that for a while was in the thickest wilderness in the NBA where they traded away all those draft picks to the Boston Celtics and you just kind of felt like this team had no future, no direction. And then Kenny Atkinson came in, took chances on guys like Karis LeVert, who had injury problems in Michigan, Spencer Didwinney, who'd bounced around the NBA, and he turned them into a team that made the playoffs. Uh, D'Angelo Russell was a sweetener in the Timofey Mozgov deal. Like They just kind of like, hey, we will give you D'Angelo Russell if you please take this Lakers Mozgov contract off our hands. And he was able to take those spare parts, turn it into a playoff team, and you know, circumstances just didn't really work out for him. And I feel I feel bad for him that you know he he didn't quite get to see it through in Brooklyn. Yeah, but he'll rebound, and like you said, I mean, he'll probably have a chance to step into a job that may be a better situation uh, than even what he had in Brooklyn. So I, I, I mean, if I'm Atkinson, like I, you know, it, it's tough to tough to to get released and and to you know have Brooklyn let you go but I I think he'll be he'll be ready to rock here in the near future well time will tell what job he'll get uh sounds like he's going to have his pick of sounds like he's going to have his pick of jobs uh the XFL uh the reboot of the XFL has been really a, a success relative to I think expectations uh, TV ratings dipped dipped under a million for the first time this year, which is not the best sign in the world. But 
you know, I don't think it's doom and gloom. We're halfway through the XFL season. P.J. Walker right now is the runaway MVP and best player in the league. Through five weeks of the XFL, uh, what are your takeaways through the first half of the season? For one, I take away that it's been really fun to watch P.J. Walker and Josh Johnson uh, play quarterback. Uh, that Those have been two guys that I've really enjoyed watching have a chance uh, to play uh, you know, PJ Walker for me too, being, uh, being a Colts fan, a guy that spent a little time in Indianapolis and, and there was a, a good piece on how, uh, Andrew Luck had, had helped Walker, uh, you know, kind of, kind of reach this, uh, reach the, the level that he's been playing at right now. I think the, the leading passer in the league, uh, leading touchdown man with 15 to just four interceptions. Those two guys have been a lot of fun to watch Johnson. I think right behind them at 11 touchdowns. I think three interceptions, but those guys have been leading their teams. Um, PJ Walker in Houston. Those are two guys that have been fun. I've enjoyed it. You know, I, I think, and we've talked about it, um, you know, a few different times, but I, I ultimately think, you know, you're going to need to be able to get that good quarterback play because that is going to, you know, we see that being such a, make such a difference in the NFL. If you don't have your quarterback, you don't have, uh, really a chance to be successful as a franchise. And so everyone's hunting that. I think there's a similar aspect to that in the XFL in terms of, in terms of I think the quarterback play is going to have to continue to get better. Not that it hasn't been fine this year, but I think that will be an area where you want to continue to try and, you know, attract top guys. And, you know, you're not going to be able to, you know, you know the, the top, top guys are going to be on NFL rosters, but, you know, to be able to, maybe make a run at a Trevor Lawrence type of guy. I think the XFL is a league that is going to need to do that for long-term viability, but I've enjoyed watching it. I think it's worked so far. I think there is a market for it. You know, the, the dip to, you know, a million or just under a million viewers that, you know, that's, that's not a positive, but at the same time, you know, so far I think it's worked. So we'll, We'll continue to see what the viability is. But for me, it's been a lot of fun to watch some of these different guys get a chance. And I do think that people are enjoying it and consuming it and, you know, supporting it at a level to where it can be successful. I I think it depends on, like, what your expectations of successful were. Because if you walked into the XFL expecting to see football on the level of, like, Chiefs versus Ravens, you were going to be disappointed. I, I view the XFL the same way we view, like, the the beginning of bowl season, where you take, you know, like, it's like you're watching the New Mexico Bowl. Just pretend you're watching, like, two, like, group of five mid-major college football teams so instead of viewing it through the lens of I'm expecting this to be just as good as the NFL, think of it like you're watching that Thursday night Mac conference game. You're watching like Ball State play Eastern Michigan. Th- think of it like that. Um, the, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I understand if you just view it from like the television rating metrics as there's been a drop week to week to week that's not promising but i think we kind of knew that was going to happen like after a while the novelty in the team is going to wear off and 
The quarterback play has been pretty uneven. For every P.J. Walker, there's a Cardale Jones who has thrown seven interceptions, got benched. Uh, Landry Jones threw three interceptions in the first quarter a week uh, a week ago. Like you just, we knew it was going to be uneven, and it was going to take a while for things to adjust. But all in all, I think the XFL is fine. Uh, I'm not predicting that this is the end of the world and there's no chance there's going to be a year two. I mean, I, I think there is going to be a year two because we haven't heard anything from like the TV network saying that they're disappointed with the ratings. It's just a lot of conjecture in recent history that these things tend to not last more than a year. But I would say the odds of there being a second XFL season are right around 100% because of how much investment and time that's been put into this. I would be stunned if at the end of the year it wound up being one and done again. Yeah, I, I think so. Your key, the key point there is your idea investment of it. I think they're, you know, they have put in the work and are going to put in the funds to try and make this something that is viable for you know a development system for football and so i i agree i would be shocked if it folded after one year haven't uh, haven't really heard rumblings of that uh, but with the the viewership decline week you know week over week i guess we'll uh, we'll see how how that affects the tv networks and things going going forward but it seems that you know as you mentioned it the resources have been put in to to make this a, a to try and make this a viable league and something to stick around and give the NFL sort of an, a, a development type league. So it seems like the resources are there and people are wanting that to happen. So the, the viewer decline, not the greatest thing in the world, but I, I do think we will see it for a year or two and hopefully beyond that. And I think if the, the success of guys like, P.J. Walker, Cam Phillips, Jordan Ta'amu shows is that there was a market for this because we, if it weren't for things like the XFL, we would have no idea that P.J. Walker could do this. He'd be buried on a practice squad or the number three guy on an NFL team. He'd sit around for a couple of years, never play, and be like, oh, whatever happened to that P.J. Walker guy that went to Temple? Like It shows that there is a market for this, and then the more opportunities guys get to play, it's better for everybody. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, because you're wanting that chance. And, you you know, as a player, you'd love that because you can't necessarily show all of that on the, the, you know, against the practice squad. But you go out and you have a chance to show that against other guys, guys against competition a week over week for a, for a, a season's length, whether that's, you know, eight, nine, ten games, 12 games, whatever it is. That's what you want. You want that chance to showcase what you can do. And so that's where you look at it and say, okay, yeah, you know, I, I get this chance to show what I can do in a much, much different setting and a better showcase type of setting than just on an NFL practice squad or just in workout videos trying to trying to make a team. I mean, it, it's it's definitely given guys that platform, no doubt. And that's why I was really bummed when the AAF went away is because there is a need for the opportunity for guys to play pro football. Maybe not for the guy that was in the NFL and looking to get back, but for that guy that played wide receiver at like Wyoming and ran like a four six forty, and he knows that the NFL is not going to touch him for a little bit. He can say, I was a pro football player. 
I mean, that's why people remember the USFL so fondly nearly 30 years after that, you know, 30 plus years after the USFL went away. It's because it gave an opportunity for so many guys. And do I think the XFL is going to become the new USFL? Uh, well, considering what happened with the USFL and what we know, just what a horror show was behind the scenes. God, I hope not. But just from a, are people going to be talking about it 30 years from now? I hope so. Yeah, that's the hope. And you talk about it, you know, we've talked about it. It's the platform to give those guys a chance. And that's what, that's what they want. And that's what they're getting. Uh, We're halfway through the XFL season. Uh, Houston is clearly the best team right now at five and oh, but I'm really enjoying that St. Louis team. I, I, I like watching the St. Louis Battlehawks play. I, I like that I like that team. That's uh that's Tiamu, correct? Yes, yes. That that's where Yeah, Ta- he's the quarterback Tiamu's for the Battlehawks. Yeah, he's 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 a lot of fun to watch. You know, he was uh he was at Ole Miss uh when I was here in Mississippi uh the the for the first time uh, as a GA at Delta State. He was uh quarterbacking uh, the Ole Miss Rebels, and he's uh, he's a fun talent to watch, and that has been a fun team. I've really, like I said, as a Colts fan, enjoyed uh, seeing PJ Walker and his success in Houston. But uh, but yeah, no, that's Tayamu has been uh, a lot of fun to watch as well. Well, uh, I think that'd be a good place for us for us to wrap. But before we go, Cody, your job at at Delta State. Why don't you give us a little bit of a rundown of what's going on in the world of Delta State sports right now? Oh, it's going well. The our women's basketball team made the uh, NCAA tournament, so we're headed to headed to uh, Cleveland, Tennessee, to uh, play the South Region tournament. So the women are in the field of sixty-four. Uh, the men's and women's swimming and diving team get started with uh, NCAA nationals this week. They're in Ohio. They actually start that uh, today, and that runs through the rest of the week. So. Uh, baseball, softball, and full swing as well. So lots of uh, it's an exciting time. Lots of lots of postseason uh, opportunities for uh, for the the statesmen and lady statesmen. And uh, uh, men's tennis team is off to an undefeated start as well. They'll be looking for some postseason success here in a month or two. So lots of lots of exciting stuff happening. Yeah, and this is Division Two, Division Three. Two, correct. Yep, Division Two, correct. Delta State made the Division Two NCAA basketball tournament. Uh, what's uh, what seed? What seed did they get? Are they are they a favorite or do they? How would you describe? So the way yeah. the way we do it is it's in regions. It's in eight team regions. So we're the four seed in the South region. And so if you win the region region then you're in the Elite Eight, and this year the Elite Eight is in Birmingham. So the regional final is the the Sweet 16, basically how they do it in the Division One tournament, if that makes sense. So yeah. we're a four seed in the region. Uh, we'll play Eckerd College in the first round. Eckerd College uh, is in, you know is uh, in uh, in Florida, and then the uh, the winner of that game gets the number one seed or the number eight seed number one seed is the lee university flames which are actually in cleveland tennessee that's where we're going because they're the number one seed in the region so they host that tournament and then alabama in huntsville 
uh, is the eight seed. So the winner of our game will play the winner of that game uh, for uh, for a chance to go to the regional finals. So so we're a four seed. We're in a good spot. Uh, just beat Lee in the conference tournament if uh, we are able to beat Eckerd in the opening game. But Eckerd is going to be a tough opponent. They're in the uh, Sunshine State Conference, and they just came off uh, a win over Tampa uh, to win their conference tournament, an upset win over Tampa. So going to be a tough first game for us, but we'll uh, we'll see what we have. The Delta State Statesmen and Lady Statesmen, they play in the Gulf South Conference. Here's some other teams in the Gulf South Conference that I didn't know existed. Uh, Shorter University. Um Okay, I've heard of Valdosta. I've heard of Valdosta State. There's a University of West Florida. Yes, West Florida and Pensacola just won the uh, D two national championship in football. Uh, Christian Brothers University. They are in Memphis, Tennessee. Yep. And then the University of Auburn at Montgomery. Like I, like there's a handful of these where it's like I've heard of, I've heard of Valdosta State, and the rest of these are like. I I didn't even know there was a West Florida. Well, you'll be you'll be hearing like Valdosta State and their success in football. Uh, I think you'll be hearing from uh, from West Florida in the future because they have a couple of national championships here in the last two or four years. So as last year's national champion, they they're gonna have another loaded team that we'll have to play coming up in football season. So uh, you wouldn't be surprised if West Florida starts creeping up in some of that notoriety as well. Well, good luck in the D2 basketball tournament for you and Delta State. I think that is a good place for us to wrap up. Selection Sunday is this Sunday. When the bracket comes out, Cody and I will look at the field of 68, the matchups we're most interested in, and which one seed will be the first to go down. Uh, We'll look at that when the brackets come out. Thank you to... Thank you to the people who listen and subscribe. Thank you to Tony Wynn for the podcast artwork. Thank you to Cody Clark for being uh, the best co-host that I've ever had. And also, good luck to your D2 statesman in the in the D2 basketball tournament. Hopefully, the, a trophy is kept making its way back to Cleveland, Mississippi. Hopefully, that'd be uh, that's the goal. So we'll uh, we'll see if we can't make it happen. All right, so for Cody Clark, I'm Evan Eichen saying so long, and we'll see you next time.